I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, just like a Murillo Crossfield ball. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win? Only via the app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms of apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to pod 15 of Red Side of the Trent. Again, I can confirm it is a normal podcast uh, from us as opposed to an emergency one that was brought on by some ill-informed eye emojis from people who claim to be in the know. Uh, again, those who would have scanned Twitter will know exactly what I'm about. Um, however, this podcast does come at a somewhat negative point to start with as Forest have just lost 2-1 away at Cardiff City which uh, well stopped Forest from getting into the top six however what's more frustrating is that it came on the back of two very good wins a 3-0 home win against Barnsley and of course a 2-1 East Midlands uh, victory against Derby so a bit of a mixed bag but we'll start with um, we'll get the negative out of the way first and build up to the positive so and of course it's most more fresh in our minds so Forest have just lost 2-1 to Cardiff minutes ago potentially the worst performance of the season I would go as far as saying that that was up there with anything any of the dross that we got from the Houston era but Adam it's perhaps important to now we've taken a bit of time to step back and go it's it's what the third or fourth loss on the Cooper in 21 games it's clearly a bit of a one-off take on the chin and move on yeah I've I've called for calm uh, on all all accounts, especially from you, Christian, because your head royally fell off uh, within our chat, um, and so did many other people that I know. I just think we need to dust ourselves off, uh, take it as a bad day at the office, and it was a bad, it was a bad, bad day. I don't, I think we can all agree that we can't pick a man of the match out of that. It was yeah. poor from minute one, um, not very sharp. We could probably even say it's a continuation from. Tuesday night's game against Barnsley where we were very sloppy at times um, and, I, and I don't expect Steve Cooper to be happy I've not listened to his post-match or anything but uh, the way he spoke on Tuesday I would imagine it's probably 10 times worse from his perspective for the team because he he, he wants high standards and, and so do we and I, I get that's why we're all disgruntled um, but we need to remember we're still a massive, massive work in progress uh, we were playing backwards football, if if you want to call it that, at the start of the season. And to be even within the conversation of the playoffs is remarkable. So I think we just need to be a bit more level-headed on social media and, and everything else. And, and we'll pick up again because we've, we've responded pretty much every time we've lost under under Cooper. So yeah, let's just, let's just, bit of calm. <laughs> bit of calm. I suppose, I mean, we are still two points behind West Brom. It's just so frustrating. I mean, like, you know, a win today, we would have gone to fifth, which we got into the playoffs for the first time since that ill-fated Stoke game at the end of the 1920 season. Obviously, didn't get anywhere near it last year. So, but I think so it's obviously it's a missed opportunity, but it's one that we have to dust ourselves down from and go again. 
as the old saying goes. But I mean, more concerningly, uh, race was the the distribution today was absolutely abject. How many passes could you count? Just went straight out of play or straight opposition players. It was a, it was like a bunch of strangers being thrown in together. I mean, it, it summed it up, didn't it? In the, when we got the goal back, we had two chances in that minute and a half to break, and both times we gave the ball away. Um, and that that just summed it up. And to be honest, we didn't even really deserve to score. Um, probably flattered us a little bit, even getting one. Um, at the end, but you just felt like at any time, if we would have got level, that they what that they wasn't the best as well, and we could have probably pushed on. Um, quite similar to the, I know the better side, but a bit similar to the Middlesbrough game where we had that little spell, didn't we, at Middlesbrough? Uh, um, when we had a really good chance with Zinkenagel, I think it was, and then oh, they, yeah, yeah, and then they got the second goal and kind of killed it, and I think that's what's similar what happened today. It's just that with Cardiff struggling, I think if you'd have put a, applied a bit more pressure, probably would have got a result. But, you know, like I just tweeted, it, you know, it's frustrating because we've got ourselves on, into the brink of the play, onto the brink of the playoffs. And, you know, with the standards we've set on the Cooper, you know, we could have gone into even like the middle of the playoffs in fifth. So it is frustrating, but we have bounced back under him every time, really, we've been beat. So hopefully we can do that. It's, in the next game. It's just a shame, really, now nah, it's in a league game next for me. Yes. No, it's a bit, bit of a right. shame it's Leicester, but to be fair, full ass, you know, what better way to kind of get back on track against as, as so-called rivals and holders of the cup? Yeah, that's very true. I think um, what, what frustrates me is that as bad as we were today, we still created probably two of the best chances. There's the one-on-one from Silver, which... Blew over the bar, and of course, Davis's goal. I mean, apart from Hugill's um, one-on-one, I mean, they didn't really create that much, which is the most disappointing thing. One of the things that surprised I mean, we've all been very vocal this podcast about Scott McKellar's performances this season, so it was quite surprising to see him turn in the performance that was bad. What do you think happens, Lee? I mean, it's it's very rare to see him play or make any mistake like that across four or five games, let alone eight or nine mistakes riddled in the same 90 minutes. Yeah, it's tricky. I mean, he, he has been due a bad one, I suppose. I mean, not going to go too over the top with it. But yeah, I don't really know. I can't really put my finger on it. I think it was just a performance that um, it's not, and it shouldn't be an excuse at that level. We last played Tuesday, but I just think it's been such a busy period of games. Um, and I sometimes think when you win all of those games, the standards are set so high that sometimes the pressure can, I don't know, sometimes the pressure can tell a little bit, I think. And that mm. to me is what happened. Cardiff came out of the blocks. It's like five new signings in their team and they looked really up for it. And I don't think we expected that to be their game plan. I think we expected their game plan to be very cautious, um, a pretty low press rather than, you know, attacking the centre-backs. And and when they, I mean, Jordan Ugill turned into a different player. I, I watched him against West Brom earlier in the season he came on and missed that absolute yeah. sitter and he was rubbish. Um, but again, I've always said certain clubs and certain players and Cardiff looks kind of tailor-made for him. So, yeah, I just think I would put it, if I'm going to put it down to anything, I would just say that I think Cardiff's game plan probably um, took both Cup, uh, Cook and McKenna uh, by shock a little bit, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably a fair assessment, actually. Because, yeah. I mean, he's not... Yeah. McKenna's not really... 
it can play out from the back, but it's not really what you're associating with. Um, and you always get the impression that when he is trying to play it out of the back, there will be a moment where he does pass it straight to a an opposition player. But yeah, I mean that one yesterday was was pretty catastrophic. And he, he's not. We've I think we've all said on this podcast, McKenna's not the sort of centre back that's blessed with loads of pace. Mm. So if someone does get in behind him, he, he's typically fighting a, a losing battle to get back, and, and that's what happened as soon as Hugo had, had raced away. Yeah. Uh, in fact, we'll talk about the, the Hugo. Um... Goal now, Adam. Um, Steve Cook's defending left a lot to be desired, to put it mildly. And I don't know about you, but I quite am a bit disappointed that one of our, our most experienced defender just doesn't see it a good idea to try and close him down rather than uh, stay where he is. I think it's an element of a lot of things that why we consider that goal. I mean. McKenna and Cooks, like obviously they're they're wide centre backs, which is what how we create that space going forward. But his pass into Zinkenagel and Zinkenagel's obviously showing of wanting the ball and then not really holding it up or and getting the ball taken off him was poor initially from them too. But yeah, then like at what point at some point Cook has to go to the ball. That is the initial danger, the ball. Um Sambu is behind him, so can probably, like we said, can close down the angle if he does square it and, and if the lad scores, it's a tapping, do you know what I mean? And it's, it is what it is, but at least then Cook's gone and done the right thing. But he just let him run. And even like when like Hugo didn't really kick the ball that cleanly, I think even like if he'd like really gone for it, he could have maybe even cleared it off the line. That's what just what baffles me as well. Like he just gave it up sort of thing. He'd like just uh, Adam and it's gone in. But yeah, very strange. It was, we, 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 didn't, we didn't start off from minute one in the right in the right frame of mind that our passing was sloppy, um, touches were poor, people weren't wanting the ball or getting on the ball, and Cardiff obviously touch in, took initiative and and really got in our faces and and sh- and the sheer determination of them just wanting it a bit more won them the game in the end because it was a lack of quality from both sides really. So we had we had like half chances, but. We weren't really like anywhere near them um, half chances to score anyway, so it's kind of, kind of a bit irrelevant at this point, aren't they? Yeah, and I think like like I said before, I started getting more agitated. Um, was you know, once you put three balls across the box like that and no one gambles, they do gamble where they're each behind. When it happens once, you think, oh, you know, it's all right, we still got a chance. Happens a second time, you think, oh, okay, three times. And at that point, you just go, oh, you know, it's not our day, like. Stuff like that. If stuff like that isn't falling in your favour, then it's yeah, you make your own luck in football. I think. Um, so go on, Adam. The, the the positives are that we did get into those positions. It's just yeah. the fact that in past weeks we have then got on the end of them. Uh, so another day we create them chances. We probably scored two or three of them. So it's not complete doom and gloom, but it is because the build up play of us and everything else was just not not right at all from, from what we've been watching for since Cooper's really come in. And it's just, it was just a bit of a, it, that, I can understand that frustration and I understand why you got so angry in the, in the, in our chat, but it's just, sometimes you, there's, there's just gotta be other things to look at in a positive manner. I know that's like being a happy clapper and everything, but we've been <laughs> that poor for the last year and a half. I, I like, I, I, I I've got to see more of the positives and the negatives because otherwise it would drive me mad and it's drove every Forest fan mad for the last 20 plus years because we've always been below par. Yeah, true. I think it's just, it was just such a predictable charity FC 
like classic Forest. I mean, for, for some stats uh, for you, Cardiff have lost nine out of their last 10 home games. They haven't kept a clean sheet in the league in the last 26. That's over half a season. They haven't won in seven. Forest rock up. We don't get a shot on target to a 94th minute. And we lo- we roll over and get our bellies rubs. I think that's, I mean, Reese obviously, you know, in the grand scheme of things, doesn't change too much. There's still a lot of games to go. I mean, that was what our 29th fixture. We play 46 games, a lot of points left to go. But it's a bit of a kick in the teeth, really, isn't it? When you see we it's set up like that and Forrest just under the liver. Yeah, you know, probably like I said in my last comment, it's just frustrating to, because we've literally got ourselves in in that good of a position. Um, and then we've it's felt like we've kind of blown it. Um, you know, and it would have we wouldn't have just crept in in sixth, or we would have gone into fifth. So, and I have kind of felt a little bit that once we get into them playoffs, I do think we could push on then. Um, but you know, it, you know, I keep saying it, it is frustrating, but it is only one game, and you know. It's a shame, really. Now nah, we haven't got a midweek fixture where we can go again straight away and pick ourselves up. We've got to wait. What will it be? Ten, eleven days, ten days now nah, till the next league fixture. But um, yeah, just just a shame tonight. But plenty of football to play yet. Still, very true. Yeah, it's our first off in five games. It could be a lot worse, but um, it's just very annoying. However, we'll you, got, to, you got to kind yeah. of sorry. So you just got <laughs> to kind of see it as. You know, Millwall away, if that would have finished nil-nil, we'd have probably said, yeah, fair enough. But we ended up nicking it last minute and we've gained two points. Today, if we'd have got a draw, we'd have probably said, yeah, not a bad result. So if you look at it over, like you just said, Chris, in the last five games, we've won four, four out of the last five. It's, it's not bad, is it? Yeah. You know, and we always want more because that's just how football fans are. But, you know, hopefully we can bounce back as soon as possible. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be nice. Um Lee, obviously, obviously, as an official yourself, I mean, one of the things that surprised me quite a lot was how Joe Rules somehow managed to escape a yellow card after what must be about four or five bad fouls. Uh, can you offer any insight as to why he may have somehow escaped any punishment whatsoever? Um, no, I, I, it's baffling. It's <laughs> it's it, it's a difficult one for me. I mean, anyone who knows me will know that I, I absolutely despise the whole criticism of officials there's a there's a national shortage and it's probably because of conversations like this people on podcasts people who think they know better that sort of stuff um it's so easy to blame a referee this that and the other i'd just like to say first that in no way shape or form was was the referee to blame for us losing that game of football of course, um, yeah. we were absolutely dreadful um, but what is frustrating is that obviously because it was televised you've got all the angles and I think it was Rawls, it might have been Doyle actually, uh, in the first instance, who pulled Max Lowe back. And to me, there'd not been a card in the game at that point, but to me it was the most obvious yellow card he will have all season. And the Sky footage actually picked him up saying, it's your first one, don't do it again, we're happy. And I thought, well, I don't mind that. I think that's, no one wants to see a game that finishes with, you know, cards being in double figures. Hmm. So I thought, yeah, that's quite good. Common sense, happy days. Um, Let's hope it's the same for both teams. Um, not even 30 seconds later Jack Colback did exactly the same thing now Jack Colback probably been in the division a lot longer than Tommy Doyle um, a bit more notorious for maybe committing fouls getting cautions 
the referee couldn't get into his pocket quick enough. It was like yeah, he had the golden just... ticket with six numbers on in his pocket. He couldn't <laughs> wait to get it out. Um, and you just think you, you've clearly just said to one player that you know first one happy days, don't do it again. And then for exactly the same challenge, our player's been cautioned. It just doesn't make any. I mean, I hear it a lot on my level that they're not bothered if we're not very good, but at least be consistent. And yeah. I think that's what a lot of teams will just ask for. They're not they're not particularly fussed if a referee does make you know five or six big dis, big errors in a game, but they want it to be consistent for both teams. And I don't think it was Rawls must have committed nine fouls. He must have at least um, at least at least. But not to mention what he could be sent off for. And they weren't even where it can sometimes get difficult is if let's say they are really really little picky things. I mean, I know you can be cautioned for you know a persistent, you know, persistent fouling, that sort of stuff. But it can be difficult in that case if if you think, oh, that's not really a caution. But as they rack up in your head, you must be thinking, well, that's him again. He didn't, he, there wasn't even a time where he seemed to pull him in and give him a really big bollocking and say, look, that is absolutely it now. And next next time I blow the whistle and it's because of you, you are going in here. Um, it was just bizarre. I just didn't get it at all. Um, so now going back to my, that's an awfully long-winded answer for an easy... <laughs> But no, I just don't understand it. I don't get it. This is that to me is the sort of situation where I think it would be good if they could be interviewed after the game because yeah. it's not it's not a glaring error that's cost us a game, but it'd just be nice to know the thought process of how did he commit so many fouls, but somehow you didn't book him. It'd just be nice to know what the referee would say to that. No, it's very true. I guess um, to tell you, I think the, the big one for me was the. Um, I mean, I think uh, we'll come on to it shortly. The, the tackle Morrison got sent off for was. Much of a lesser offence than the one where Walt, where rules went through. I think it was Yates with the ball yeah. being gone, and it's like his studs at like calf height. I mean, what would you I mean, have I, in that instance, for example? Yeah, I mean, I think with that one, that one is a tricky one because it wasn't until I think in real time I saw it and I went, "That's a yellow card." It, it was mm. just one of those where the defenders played the ball. He's already slid in. It's late. It's just an easy yellow card. And as soon as he acknowledged it, I thought, "Well, if he's given the foul for that, that's got to be a yellow card." It's it's so late. It's the ball's gone. And then when we saw the replay. Um, I mean, in, in no way, shape or form in real time did I think it was a red. I just thought it was a, an easy yellow card, like one of the easiest to have all season. Um, but then when you see the replay, it's not just a foul. It, it's probably a red. And it's, I don't know, I, I mean, it, it's not on the same side. I mean, as daft as it sounds, if that's on the opposite side where the assistant is, maybe he does pick up that it's actually a red. Yeah. Um, but it's just frustrating. Again, it's not why we lost, but for that to not even be warranted a yellow card. I mean, if not a yellow card, that would have at least been his absolute last one. He must have. He had. He had at least six after that one. At least, it's just. Yeah. It, it, it's baffling. Yeah, it's it's very frustrating, and yeah, like I said, it's not the reason why we lost, but still a contributing factor. If you yeah, like. it's just annoying. It's just you just like you say. We've got players like Colback who have been around the block, notorious for getting. 10 to 15 bookings a season. It's like referees... See, at my level, it's easy to not judge people. Yeah, you, you know the names and that sort of stuff. But in at this level, in the spotlight, referees must talk and it's like, oh, yeah, Jack Colback, may as well book him in the car park, get it out of the way. So when they go onto the pitch, they are kind of... You know, they've already got it in the mind what they're going to do, I think, sometimes. Mm. Yeah, it's... Frustrating, put it mildly. Well, we'll move on to, we'll sort of go up in terms of like a positivity arc, if you like. So if we start at the bottom and then we move up gradually. So obviously Barnsley's next, a 3-0 win, which on the outset, you, know, you think, great, a 3-0 win. However, like, 
rightfully so, I think Cooper wasn't best pleased afterwards. In fact, like, he didn't he didn't do his fist bump for the first time since he won a game, which um, a lot of people wrongly attributed to something else. Uh, but as I mean, those are standards that you want a forest manager to be setting. Don't you? You want someone to come in against a side that's but their bars are going down. There's no doubt about that. I think you know you don't need to be a mystic Meg to say they're going down. They're fucked. But I mean. Like from, I think I thought was that I think we've taken like thirty-five points since we last played them. They've taken six, so which is ominous in itself. But I mean the fact that we've won the game three-nil very comfortably. We and managers coming out and saying that's not a good enough performance. Now that that's surely a positive. Yeah, definitely. I think Cooper's like I've said before. He's he set his standards pretty high. He's managed some players that are now playing for England, I believe. So. Or or uh, or for countries or whatever like like Brereton, I think maybe I'm not sure, but do you know what I mean? Like um, I think it's it bodes well because if it's coming from the top, it obviously feeds down to the players, and they'll know that it wasn't the greatest performance. Because when it was two 0 at half time, I was sat there thinking this is the team where we go and beat them five six nil, and I think that's what Cooper even wanted. But we just completely slow down the pace and just weren't that bothered and that's kind of carried on into today's game and that's why I think the, why we got that performance unfortunately um, Barnsley had, uh, it's a damning performance from their perspective and they must they must really just want a what, mid-table sort of campaign because last season oh, they have this yeah. season relegated like what a complete 180 that is from, from them uh, it, it baffles me but from our point of view, yeah, it was a game where we should have really like gone on and smashed them like five or six nil, and it would have been good to see us do that. And I think that's why that's why I went, that's why where we are where we are because the teams in the like the Premier League and even like you look at Fulham this season when they go and romp a team, they they absolutely destroy them, and there's no mercy sort of thing. We kind of like took Barnes and it was like your younger brother where you just like ruffle his hair a little bit kind of thing and like make it not so painful. Um, but I, I think we should have gone for the jugular in that game, and we could have well done that easily. We was not even in second gear in that game, and we we cruised cruised the game, which is a positive as well. But for our attitude, it was it was rubbish. No, that's true. I think like, you're right. I think like said, that that was a half hour spell in the second half where well, they weren't really causing us any issues. I'm like you said, Reese. A better side would have scored with that mindset. Yeah, um, we're just a bit sloppy, weren't we? Um, I mean, they couldn't string anything together, bless them. But, you know, to be fair to Barsley, they've been absolutely decimated, haven't they? They've, you know, they've lost the CEO to us, they've lost the manager, they've lost the captain in Moet, they've lost, I'm guessing, DK was their top scorer last season. So they've literally lost, you know, massive influence on that team and any team would struggle um, if you're losing that, especially a club. You know, like bars, you some would probably argue they might be punching a little bit, bit above the weight in the championship. So, yeah, I mean, the, the two good moves we put together in that game, we cut them apart so easily. And you just thought, you know, if we'd have been at full flight, we would have, like Adam said, we would have probably hit double what we did. But on the other, on the flip side, you know. If Forrest put proper push themselves out and someone gets injured or you know, or someone does this or that, people would probably then say, Well, well, the game was won. So, you know, why are we doing that extra mile? But 
that's the standards Cooper set. That's the standards Cooper set anti that with one three nil at home, which before the game you just snap someone's hand off for, and then we're a bit disgruntled by it. It's good though. Like I said, it's like I mean, like, like I said, very good. Apart from that's what I like about Cooper. You know, he's not people are people are just happy to get into a level, whereas him. It's like, right, we've got to this level now. What can we do to get better and better and keep pushing forwards and take my hat off to him for that? Apart from Davis, maybe both spells, you'd say, and Karanka, no one's really seemed to get that. The element that, you know, we are, you're representing Nottingham Forest Football Club. It's it's an honour, it's a privilege. There are standards that we have here. Okay, fair enough, we're not the European Cup winning side that we were of of yesteryear. Or even more recently, a days where we finished third in the Premier League. I say more recently, I was two years old. But, um, you know, we still have standards to adhere to. We still are, we still should act and behave like a big club. So I think it's it's a good thing, I think, if, if Cooper's coming out, like, we've we've, we've basically smashed fodder. That's what we've done. We've been were terrible. But it's good that I think we've sort of come out thinking, you know what, we could have done a lot better than that. And take that take that into the next game or we should have done anyway but um, I think the thing for me uh, Lee, when we sort of looked to establish control of the game because obviously they had that half hour period where we were very poor and then Cooper changed it he put Colback back into the middle and pretty much instantaneously that took the sting out of the game and allowed us to gain a foothold again but also his performance that night was brilliant I mean the pass to Johnson for example for the assists mm. for um, Yates' goal Absolutely unbelievable pass. A brilliant football from Forrest. I mean, how did you um, take his performance against Barnsley? Yeah, it was good. I, I don't. I, I actually don't think Jack Colbeck's had a bad game this season, to be honest. Um, I mean, yesterday maybe they all had a bad game, but I don't think there's been one game this season where, I mean, it, last season, some of the, the over-the-top reactions. I remember a game when we played Bournemouth. It gave away a penalty, which was probably outside the box and not even a foul. And everyone, because of that one moment, everyone was saying he was finished. And it's like... I mean, that's lanky, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, come on. I mean, he's not... I think people had forgot that. I think it was the 2019-20 season. He didn't play a single minute in the first team. So it was it was never going to be the case that we'd sign him and then he'd immediately get up to scratch. Um, I mean, what doesn't help in that case is that Hewton was kind of a bit undecided whether he, wanted, whether he fancied him or not. So he'd play for four games and he'd sit on the bench for six. And... That must be so frustrating when you've come back from such a, a bad injury. You just want to get on the pitch and play. Mm. And I think what, what Cooper has done well is he's kind of, when he's been fit, he's just thrown him in and played him and said, you know, find some form. And and that's what he's done. Um, like you say, he moved into the centre against uh, Barnsley. And yeah, they're deemed... I thought Barnsley were better than I thought they would be, actually. They, they kind of kept the ball quite nicely. and um, I showed glimpses, didn't they? Yeah, they didn't really threaten. They didn't really threaten us in terms of peppering Samba's goal or anything. But I thought with a couple, with say two additions in the the transfer window in the final third, that they've got some some potential there. But like you, as soon as Colback went into midfield, it was it was Not game right. over from their perspective. Yeah. It was just yeah, he's just so mature. So he's been been around the block, hasn't he? And I think yeah, long may it continue. It's it's a difficult one because we've got. Well, we've got three really good central midfielders, haven't we? I, I know we've we've had our discussions about Ryan Yates, and we don't need to go into that again. But yeah, I think um, 
Yates is rightly getting praise for the last couple of months, but I think if we give him praise, Colback's got to be right on his tail for, you know, for the lion's share of that praise, to be honest. No, I, I wouldn't disagree with that at all. I think Colback's been very much an unsung hero this season. And um, like you said, perhaps doesn't get, it'll be one of those where I think similar to Watson, when he eventually does go, we sort of go, oh, fuck, he was good, wasn't he? As opposed yeah. to, I probably appreciate him while we still have him. Um, one of the positives was uh, Keenan Davis, obviously got his first goal. Um, which he made all of his own making. Uh, Adam, you know, Harried, uh, obviously Harried the defender down, forced a mistake, went for it one-on-one, very confidently dispatched it, gave the keeper the eye, sent it the wrong way. Obviously scored again today as well. Uh, you were quite pleased that we've got someone of his, let's say, of his style of footballer, you know, sort of like a big target man striker at like the start of his career, as opposed to someone at the end. I mean, let's say Davis gets seven, eight goals between now and the end of the season. Like, which he might have to do with Grab with Graven out. Um, would you like to see that move made permanent? Or is it still a bit too early to say? I mean, he's shown good glimpses so far. I, I do like him. He's he's maybe not like the kind of striker that's gonna chase everything down in the channels, but he chases enough sort of thing. He just he just seems like a horrible lad to play against he's just right in people's faces and he's not afraid to turn and run at you either he's got a bit of pace about him for for a big uh striker and I think that's that's definitely changed in modern football now because even the big tall strikers are are athletes I mean Erling Ireland and at Dortmund is what over six foot two or whatever and he's an absolute machine of a bloke so you know it's it's they're not they're not typical kind of you knock it up to them and, and they and you edit down you bring players into play they they can run and, and and hurt teams as well and I think we'll see that from Davis especially if he gets more of a running now as as the number nine and two natural wingers alongside him to feed him. Um I, I wouldn't mind seeing it permanent if if that's the case and if we can get him on a good deal when and it's relatively cheap and good for all parties. I don't see why not because he offers something different in these He's a bully. Um, he needs a permanent home, I think, to to get his career going. And I think we're a good club to do it at, really, because we give we give players an opportunity. No, that's very true. Yeah, I think I quite like the way as well that um, you know, he it's his hold up play for me. Like the way he sort of brings. I mean, I know there's a bit of like we'll come on to it in the derby game. Um, there was a bit of misunderstanding twice with Gravel and Davis, where one uh, I think Davis sort of was offside and ran towards the ball anyway, not realising Graben was there. And the other time was when Graben could have cut it across and didn't. And um, But Davis was there for that time, so they both sort of got with each other. But you know, the way he brings others into play has been really impressive. And one of the people who has benefited from that is, uh, of course, who caused the whole meltdown on Tuesday, Wednesday night, was uh, Brennan Johnson, uh, Reese, who, you know, I mean, I think he's 20 years old. Obviously, the club have not back 18 million. They've come out and stated that they expect him to be here Beyond eleven o'clock on Monday, how I mean how big a, I think to say how big a boost it is that he's going to stay is obviously, you know, it goes without saying we kept our best player arguably, but in terms of message, the fact that Forest are willing to turn down eighteen million and take a, or even risk losing some of that in the summer, again, what's your sort of view on that and his performances of, of late? So, um, I mean, I think I said on the last pod, didn't I? It's just horrible month to lose players in January especially you know one like you just said Christian one of your best if not best players you know you look at the teams around us 
who haven't, you know, like, say, Blackburn, for example, who've Brereton's been their standout man, looks like they're keeping him. Um, you know, there hasn't really been anybody who's lost a big player as he around, as what I can think of off the top of my head. Um, so, yeah, that it was really, really good news um, because the meltdown after the Barnsley game on Twitter and the subsequent day after, it was like, I think most people had kind of resigned to that he was going to go. And then it was like as if panic stations had set in because we're not, we, we know we all need a winger. So to them think, oh, we're going to have to bring in two wingers would have been a bit of a, you know, like I just said, panic stations would have started to set in. But yeah, it's, it's good news. Um, if there was putting that money about in the summer, I think a lot more people would be inclined to, you know, probably look at selling him if we didn't get up, especially if he's not signed that contract because with only a year left on your contract, you wouldn't want him to start running that down, would you? You want to, you know, the more the, the longer it runs down, I know he is going to keep getting better and better, but probably slightly for me outweighs that progress in terms of his ability. So, I mean... What we want now, really, is Forrest to sort him out a new deal and then, you know, Forrest can probably name the price in the summer if we didn't get promoted and Premier League teams want him, which I'm sure they will do. No, it's very true. I think, um, no, it's, it's very important that you're right. I mean, we are in a bit of a compromised position because of a contract situation. And really, it's, I mean, it's, it's one thing that got me was it's all well and good saying, oh, you know, blame the club for not sorting it out. But then it comes out a few days ago that, the release clause they wanted was eight to ten million, so we would have lost. Yeah, 10 which is a club. Is no one their right it's mind. It's a joke, isn't it? Yeah, no, I mean, like, no, I mean, no, that's either naivety on his part that he like, mm. that's the way market works. I mean, I know obviously we've had mm. a few COVID windows. We've seen teams in Championship not necessarily lose their best players. I mean, you know, in this year, Bournemouth lost Dan Juma. They still kept um, Brooks, of course, before his well, his very sad issues, which he's seemingly coming through the other side, which is very good. But you know, championship seems to really lose their players last summer. So maybe he thought, oh, you know, it's maybe listening again this year. A little bit naivety, maybe a little bit of not necessarily realizing how good he is. But again, that Barnsley game just highlighted his importance for me. I mean, like insisting the goal, you know, just a very, very good footballer. And hopefully, well, yeah. I mean, we even seen today, didn't we? We, I mean, watching the game, I don't know if you lads agree, but our, our right side's the biggest threat into every game and you look at that right side and think more times and often than not, it's going to come from that side where we work a breakthrough, especially with like Johnson getting, getting to the byline and crossing it in. Yeah, I think that happened in the first half, didn't it? Um, so yeah, good to keep him. And that, that release clause, if it was true, you know, it's just a bit of an insult to Forrest, to be honest, because he's, he is worth double that. And if we can sign him down to a contract you probably can value him at 25 million plus maybe then. Yeah. But if we don't, then you probably might drop a couple of million off what Brentford have offered, you know, probably down to 15 or something. So we'll see. But it's a risk worth taking because it's crucial to his playoff aspirations. Yeah, it's worth a gamble for sure. And um, so, yeah, also in the Barnsley game, so we saw, yeah, we saw a Forest League debut in the Barnsley game. We saw Atif Kanase come on to make his... uh, Obviously, he's played in the league up a few times. Lee, obviously, that's just that Forrest see a lot in him. And 
I know obviously we've still been linked with wingers and we don't know how Deadline is going to unfold. But do you um do you see a place for him in the start in not the starting eleven as such, but in the in the in the first team squad over the next coming months? Can I say? Yeah, I mean, one thing we have got is a manager who um, is quite accommodating when it comes to younger players. So he won't be he won't be the sort of manager that I think throws them in just willy nilly and you know just to kind of tick a box with supporters. Um, they need to be ready, and I think obviously Hammond was on the bench yesterday at Cardiff. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think he showed some promise against Barnsley. That um, first touch was great. His first touch was unbelievable. Yeah, I was just going to say heel. that. Um, <laughs> I mean, what a way to introduce yourself uh, in front of twenty-seven thousand people. So yeah, that was um, that was good to see. Um, I think I think the thing with any player that comes into this this uh, team, if you like, is just getting up to grips with how Cooper likes his his forwards to play because I think, especially when we play the three at the back. The two behind the striker for me, I wouldn't really call them wide players. They've kind of got to be able to play wide and get in and operate as a, it's like forwards. a double number ten, yeah. if, if that makes sense. Um, and I think for a young player, he was probably what I do think is good that Andy Reid seems to be playing similar systems for the under twenty three games um, as the first team are, which I always think should be the way. I know again we mentioned it on this podcast, but going back to football manager, you can set your youth teams up to play the same way as the first team, um, and that's how it should be. It's not. It's not just you know thinking I know it all because I've played football manager. <laughs> and just can you imagine? Can you imagine that? It just sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? If you had a a, a really robust manager at under twenty three level who wants to play a Chris U and rigid four two three one, and then they've got to come into that Steve Cooper setup, it just doesn't make any sense. So it's it is so good powerful, in that sense yeah. that I think any young player that comes in. Should be, you know, well versed when it comes to making the step up. No, definitely. Yeah, wouldn't disagree with that at all. Um, anyway, on the uh, positivity arc, we're now at the top, top of the summit. And of course, you know, this time last week, we were still celebrating from very comfortably beating our East Midlands uh, nearest and dearest Derby County 2 1. Uh, Adam, I mean, as it goes, I never really felt that we were under threat. I had one shot on target. It was a penalty in the last minute. It was pretty. It was quite professional, very much like play the um, play the game, not the occasion. Performance I felt from Forest. It was extremely cagey in the first half, if I remember. Not much quality other than the chance Tom Lawrence had, which I'm, I'm, he's probably still wondering how he squandered. To be honest, because he scored two goals the week before that were far harder chances for him, I would argue, against Sheffield United. So he'll probably be disappointed for himself, but we'll take that. Um, I just think once we got ahead, it was looking like unlikely that Derby would really get back into it other than from maybe a set piece or uh, our own mistake. But it was just good that uh, the crowd got really behind it. And it was good that in the second half, it did liven up a bit. There was some some sort of like hatred there almost because like I've said in the start of the season when we played Derby, the, the rivalries really died down a lot. Um, but I felt like it like kind of ignited a little bit, especially from Bree Samba's uh, shitousery, which actually I think in hindsight was really, really clever from him because Derby weren't able to get the ball on the, uh, on the centre circle again and for us to kick off straight away it gave everyone time to kind of get their composure back almost. It was like he'd 
remembered what happened at Bristol City when we scored the penalty. Taylor gets the ball back on the spot, they kick off and aren't aren't really set up to to defend again. And we nick a winner, do you know what I mean? So I think it was really clever. He did push the boundary and he probably could have got sent off in, on another day, to be honest. But it was brilliant to watch from a Forest perspective, obviously, because it was just Fantastic. so funny. Yeah, yeah it, it was hilarious. And uh, only Tom Lawrence had left his car keys as wide as that um, shot he made, eh? But, um, Reese, obviously, what I found was quite notable was yeah, James Garner's performance in that midfield that day. I mean, obviously, we've all we've all sort of resigned ourselves to the fact that we're un- unlikely to keep him. Even if Forrest were promoted, you might get another year on load max, but his ceiling was at a much higher level than what we can really offer. And I think we saw that against Derby. Yeah, I thought him and Cole back in the middle um, were superb. And to be honest, I thought they won us the game really second half because I just thought Derby's centre mids are quite young lads. I know that Thompson is highly rated, but you know we're talking about a lad who's on loan from Manchester United, highly rated here, not Derby. And Jack Colback's been there, done it, got the t-shirt, and he. And I just thought we got hold of the ball, and I thought we bullied him in the centre of the park, second half. Um, you know, once the goal, the first goal was a bit scrappy, but that settled us down. I thought, like Adam said, you'd probably have to say, you know, Derby take their chance first half. Um, Lawrence and he should have done might have been a different game but they didn't so that's irrelevant but after that I thought last 15 minutes they looked really tired and it was good uh, management from Cooper that he brought Zinkenegel on because he got in behind Byrne and you know Johnson or Mark in the middle um, brilliant finish um, which you know we always cut challenge at the end but yeah going back to Garner yeah, it just showed his it just showed his class of why Manchester United had given him another deal. You know, like the cross turn on the edge of the box, just just his composure on the ball. You know, Colbat was doing like the nitty gritty things, getting stuck in. Whilst Garn, Gardner Gardner was just you know, yeah, brilliant. I think he made a pass in the first half. I'm sure, I'm sure it was against Derby, or it might have been Barnsley. Now I'm not sure. Where he chipped it over like the defence and. Yeah, he, he has shown probably last... He's grown into the season, and he Garner. He has shown his class, probably last, that upper class last, I'd say, half dozen games, obviously, before today, where, you know, everyone's had a bit of a stinker. So, yeah, long may it continues. We'll have to see what happens with him. Definitely. I mean, one person who was very poor today was um, unusually poor today, as we very much was Scott McKenna. But against Derby, uh, Adam, I felt the way McKenna dealt with... Um, Kazim Richards, anything else they threw at him, it was just like walking into a brick wall for them. They just couldn't get anything out of him at all. What was it like a hundred percent aerial win uh, for for Scott McKenna? It was against a target, man a really as well. good like yeah, quality performance from him. And yeah, like today, I mean, no, you can't pick anyone out of that apart from maybe Keenan Davis, who deserves any credit just for the goal kind of thing. But yeah, um, unusual performance from from everyone today, especially McKenna because he's just been ever so reliable. Um, I mean, <laughs> the, the uh, obviously I know we've spoke about it loads of times, but the comparison you get from like Scotland uh, supporters <laughs> compared to what we've seen is like night and day, isn't it? Um, and I just need to reiterate like the the chance I think Ravel Morrison has, where I, I was pretty much like goal. It was a goal, I it was and him. he somehow. Yeah. 
blocks it. And I generally thought he'd like just missed it. But then when I re rewatched it, I was like, that is like an unbelievable block. Like, how the hell has he got to that sort of thing? But I mean, I mean, Cook didn't really kind of cover himself in much glory because there was a there was a moment before he gave the penalty away where it was top class defending. You go, yeah, that's why we've got him in. And then followed by rash. complete petulance. Yeah. Uh, yeah, very rash. And he knew it. Um, and he kind of continued that today. I mean, midweek, he didn't really have that much to do, but today he, he, he weren't, weren't the best either. So we do miss Warrell, I think, because Cooper, Cooper had to make a, a switch in formation in that because we did start Yates at centre-half um, and it wasn't working because Derby were getting on top of it, pushed him up. But I think we just missed Warrell because of his distribution. But this is why... I'm a bit puzzled why Mbe So has not come back in since he's been back in the 23s. It it would it would be good to see what he's like in that formation with three at the back because I do think he suits it. Absolutely, and I think obviously like um, it does appear that obviously, yeah, obviously we're recording this uh, mere minutes after or hour now after the game finished. Cooper's coats have come out now. It looks like Steve Cook has picked up a calf injury, um, which could keep him out for a few weeks. You'd expect now Mbe So to really get an opportunity now yeah and I, I, it's either going to be hit or Toby Figueredo comes back in because mm. I, I think I think there was going to be an expectancy for him to leave the club and go out on loan and finish his contract with us into the summer obviously leave on a free but we might need him now really um, it's a good opportunity if Mbeso gets the nod and one I would quite like because I do think his distribution adds something to how we play so and we we missed that. I think we missed that against Derby and, and Barnsley. We were just happily happily happened to play against poor opposition that didn't really like take their opportunity with that sort of thing. And and we and we maybe were weren't as bad as, as we were today with it. But yeah, Mbe so kind of fills that Worrell uh ability of passing out from the back. Definitely, yeah. The importance of having Mbe so I think would be very good. Reese, I mean, going back to the Derby game very quickly. Obviously, we took we mentioned there about Cook's recklessness. We mentioned today about the fact that you expect more from your experienced players. Although those last six minutes, I never really felt that much under threat. I don't know about you. What did you think? I thought we were brilliant that last six minutes because, you know, was it you mentioned earlier, Christian, about Samba just slowing the game down or? Well, I've got to be your Adam. Adam yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, just slowing the game there today. Couldn't, you know, get started again. We've seen and we've seen again today a team who's completely buckled to him. We've seen it against Reading, you know, and, you know, I'm sure I wouldn't have been the only one who, when he did get back into the game, you know, through his own fault because he never should have been in the game. I just felt the worst, thought the worst. And I just thought, here we go, it's going to be six minutes now of us having 11 men behind the ball, which obviously you're going to do at that stage. And then we're literally pumping it up to Curtis Davis, Kazim Richards, and then it's just going to be a knockdown and some arsehole on their team is just going to bundle it in. Um, but they didn't really have a chance, did they? And we literally, every time we got hold of the ball, we just drew fouls from them. Um, and then the one chance he did really have to get it back in, you know, Ravel Morrison, you know, touch of um, an elephant, and you know, ended up getting himself sent off. So That's that, yeah. you know, that did that did put the cherry on the top. That um, that um, reprobate getting sent off. So yeah, um, 
brilliant game management. I mean, how many times have we seen him pass with Forrest Chuck? Just stupid goals away at the end. Completely bottle it, yeah. You know, uh, the, the Barnsley one under Sabri is the one that springs to mind. Um, yeah, very much so. Yeah, you know, so, Lucci, where we can see later on. Yeah, it was probably late theme. through the years. Yeah, you know, with the just, Derby game, like when they saw the 97th minute. You know, that's another example then. Like, yeah, like, the Derby for God, I don't think yeah. that. Yeah. 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 You know, it, weird. Like, maybe you're maybe you're right. There was a bit of like the whole um, Sam Hicks thing out of the game. I noticed Colback as well. Yeah. Colback and Sibley have a bit of a, the way he just kept winning fouls, like you said. Yeah. Mm, it was just, you know, I don't want to. You know, criticise too much, but it was just such a stupid challenge from Cook, and he'll know that. You know, I know, I know he's played in the Premier League and that with Bournemouth, but with respect to Bournemouth, you know, they're playing in front of twelve thousand. You know, he's probably not played in a rival game. Well, he wouldn't have with Bournemouth because, you know, I don't think Southampton and Pompey are really bothered about him, are they? So, no, he wouldn't have played in a. You know, what it means to the fans, the magnitude of that game, probably in his career. To be fair to him. Um, you know, as soon as he died, then I was like, you know, I think even if Lawrence wouldn't have got touched, he probably would have got a pen open. But thankfully, with Roditat and, you know, we didn't buckle like we did under Lamushi against him and gave, gave him a result what he didn't didn't deserve. No, and uh, great scenes it was. It made all the all the throwing of the fivers, all the very, very kind chants we were singing just a little bit sweeter. Brilliant stuff. Um, okay, so Lee, I'm going to have to ask you to don your official cap again because there were more than a few incidents in that derby game um, which caused a lot of controversy. So obviously we have the Allsop wiping out Davis incident. We have Graben's potential red card incident. We have Sibley kicking Colback. We have whether Samba should have been sent off and whether Morrison should have been sent off. So um, just the five things to rattle through there with uh, <laughs> FA official hat on. Yeah, so I'm not touch on too much. I think all sops was a foul. I think it was a foul just because of how high his foot was, but there wasn't any contact. So, I mean, it's, it's a training leg, one. though. He's training leg got him. Yeah, it did, but I think it would have. The referee was never going to see that bit. I know what you mean. Um, as Forest fans, we want the training leg, but I think as a bare minimum, it should have just been an indirect free kick. Mm. You can't put your leg up. You can't put your foot that high up. It, I mean, it, it was over his head. It wasn't even <laughs> a head eye. It was over head eye. I mean, how we didn't... It is a very technical one, so I can perhaps see why the referee didn't get busy and, you know, pull out the pull the law book out of his pocket sort of thing. But um, Lawrence's was a bit naughty, but I think the ball was there to be won. I don't like giving Derby too much praise, but I think... Did we even get a foul for that? Oh, Lawrence, of course. There's another one, yeah. Uh, Lawrence said, no, we didn't get that foul for it. It was, it was stopped because of the head injury. But I thought I foul. thought maybe that was a foul. I mean, I was pretty close to that um, in the trend end. So I thought that was probably a foul. I think that's anything on the keeper when the keeper's down on the floor with his hands getting the ball. I think it's just a, it's just a safe foul. Mm-hmm. Um, Lawrence and Samba after the penalty. It wasn't a red card for Samba. I don't know what Derby fans are on about. He just delayed the restart. Samba made a good point. Um, which I thought the referee's answer was brilliant, actually. Samba basically said, it's our ball. That's why I've got the ball. It's mm-hmm. our kickoff. It's our ball. To which the referee quite rightly said, it's a goal, so it's my ball. Um, he's got a point. Um, but it's never a red card. He just, bo- he just it's, it's a delaying of the restart. It's, you see it every week. It's 
89th minute. They were crying about the um, raised arm, weren't they, for Samba? No, I mean, it's not, it's not, it's... No, it's it's not. <laughs> I just I don't know what else. We don't want red cards for that, do we? The ball's not even in play. I mean, yeah, it's very true. Yeah. If we're going to start pulling cards out for things that when the ball's not even in play, you, you know what modern day football's like. You're not going to finish with a full quota of players in any game. Um, what were the other? What, what else was there? Graben, the sending off, sending off, and so we've got sending off to come and Graben's yellow cards for the high boot. Um. Gavin's one is difficult. Um, I don't want to seem too biased because it's Forest, but I don't think there would have been a deal of surprise. What I would say is in real time, I don't think anyone on the pitch really wanted a red. I, I think there was a bit of a, an appeal that it was a, maybe a foul and a yellow card. Um, on the replay, I don't think we could have been too disappointed had he been shown a red card, personally. Mm. He never takes his eyes off the ball, which I think you've got to take into consideration. But you you can't plant that many studs into someone's thigh <laughs> and expect to get away with it, I don't think. I, I mean, it's difficult because I can't obviously talk about a championship level, but I think at my level of football, if I didn't give a red card for that, having seen it, I don't think I'd like to know what my next t- tackle would be, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you've kind of got to set the tone and, and, and deal with that. But never mind, it didn't happen. Um, Forsyth wasn't sent off in the, the away yeah. game. Derby, Derby fans true. have got very short memories, haven't they? Um, <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, suck that up a bit. And we've had one each now from the same referee. So that's how it goes. I, I think the amusing thing with that is that the referee books Graben and he didn't book for Scythe, so Graben can't be dealt with and for Scythe could be. So happy days. Um, the red card wasn't a red card. I mean, I think we can all say that. Um, again, I'm going to stick up with the referee a little bit though, because if you watch, as soon as that tackle went in, I watched the reaction of all the players and I watched the reaction of Morrison and I said straight away, that's off, he's off. Because it, it, the referee straight away, he just knew. It, it, it was like he wants because obviously it just happened with Samba. He wants to take the sting out of the game. He wants to take the sting out of everything. The best way to do that is recognise that you've seen something that's worthy of a red card. Um, I think it's the way the um, the studs pinged up off the boot. I think he's. I think you're right. He's unfortunate, yeah. Morrison, because had that been wrong reversal, we'd have been quite rightly aggrieved because it's. He's, yeah, it's the way. It's unfortunate the way. He's, had his boot gone the other way, no one says anything. Yeah. I don't think. Zinkley would get up as well. Like, I think what's let the ref down as well is that um, Zinkanagel's jumped straight back up. Mm. It's never an easy sell for a red card when <laughs> the player jumps straight back up. I think, you know, if Zinkanagel holds his leg and rolls around a bit, like Morrison probably would have done had it been the other way around, mm. um, I think it would have been less surprising, if that makes sense. Um, but no, I've been watched the replay. I mean, I watched the replay as soon as we got back into to the pub after the game. And I said, we, we've got away with that one a bit. Because that, that's, I would be incredibly pissed off if that was a Forest red card. <laughs> and obviously, we've got um, the last one. <laughs> There's quite a few. Like, uh, Sibley kicking out a coal back on the floor. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to get technical, that's a red card as well, isn't it? Um, <laughs> if that's spotted. I mean, that's right in front of the fourth official. Um Kevin Fred, but I think. No, it was Keith Stroud. I was Keith just Stroud, saying. Keith Stroud, so say no more. I mean, you, you don't really want fourth officials to be busy, but I mean, that is that is one situation with everything else that's going off. He's the only official that probably would see that. Um, 
yeah, like I say, I mean, Colback held his face, didn't he? I don't know why I was doing that. I mean, it was like, <laughs> like Rivaldo in the World Cup that year, but he <laughs> worked um, for Rivaldo. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I just um, it was a record. If if someone sees that, it's clear mm. as day. Um, again, pieces, Dar- Derby fans with short memories. Apparently, we were the the villains of the piece, and they did nothing wrong during that game. Rend up like with a keeper with a, a Terry Butcher style headband and. <laughs> Jack Colback with a dislocated shoulder, practically because <laughs> Sibley's got his boot wrapped in it. And you know, it's, it's, it's a difficult game to referee, aren't they? I mean, I've been on games at my level where it's, there's a bit of needle and there's a bit of derby atmosphere and that sort of stuff. And they are tough even then. So to get Forest Derby not once but twice in a season, it must be mentally draining. But I actually thought on the whole he did all right. I mean, I saw a certain reporter who covers Derby County. I'm pretty sure he wouldn't listen to the podcast. Um, he, he actually said that it was the worst refereeing performance he's ever seen. Um, and it, was, <laughs> and it was dreadful and it, it was so so biased towards Forrest. And I just, I was reading it thinking, are you actually having a laugh? I mean, it's like they, they look at the clips they want to look of the ones that benefit them, but then they're just not interested in the ones where, you know, their players were lucky to stay on the pitch, so... No, exactly. It was quite funny. Shit actually, happens, after, doesn't it? After the Davis incident, the guy next to me, because obviously I was quite irate with that. And the, and the guy next to me said, I say that the referees are the take, but they can't even afford them. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, <true. laughs> so at least, yeah, like you said, it's going to be consistently, consistently bad, I suppose. And um, that's the tip of the iceberg, isn't it? I suppose they had buckets round at their game this weekend because... Um, <laughs> they've got a fi- they've got a fine coming now for failing to control their players. Yeah, of course, of course. So we'll, yeah. we'll pay ours, I should imagine. But uh, hopefully, Dar- it'd, it'd be so funny if Derby's fine was more than ours. If they recognise that their <laughs> incidents were slightly worse than ours, <laughs> we'll find out in due course. That would be very funny, though. So we're now going to move on to. Well, it's going to be a very busy day. It kind of has to be now. Thirty first January, eleven o'clock is when the transfer window deadline closes, and. Adam, I think it's going to be quite a busy one, obviously. So, Graven's injury today will suggest we need another striker. We have been openly pushing for Josh Bowler and uh, Jed Wallace from Millwall. Uh, we've, and, obviously, McCurry, we apparently agreed a fee for. We can agree a work permit for. So, that suggests we're in for at least one winger. Obviously, we were going for Emmanuel Longello from West Ham. We're told to come back with a million and don't bother. So, we could be looking at a left-back as well. And we've got a few hours to do it in. So, what do you think is going to happen before the, uh, the bell strikes from the close of the window? I think if you go on past windows, Forest fans will expect the worst transfer day of our lives because that's what we normally go for. I don't think I think a striker is going to be too hard, and I think as Keep and Xander Silver kind of speaks volumes because there was rumours that he was going to a risk throughout all of January I yeah. pretty much some said that he was he was he already sold basically when we did that like kind of grading of of the season so far um earlier on but I think he can operate in the in the number nine role uh Keenan Davis is obviously going to get now uh the nod to be our go-to striker however long uh grabbing that hopefully not too long but I think we'll be okay it's kind of good that we've got less the next week because it's a free hit gives grabbing another week to recover um, but obviously games come thick and fast in this league I think I've kind of reluctantly I think we've, we've I don't think we're going to get Jed Wallace unfortunately I think uh, Millwall have stood firm I think they're they're more 
likely to lose him in the summer for, for free, and that's that's up to them. Obviously, it's that's they could easily have a fee offers for two million or whatever it's going to be. But I'd be I'd be very surprised if I see Jed Wallace holding a shirt up tomorrow in a in a, in a forest shirt up. But Josh Bowler could be a possibility. There's been a lot of talk of him that as and was it Bournemouth, yeah, or Fulham that were interested and now Bournemouth have gone for someone else. I can't remember who so now. They're, they're, going for Cam- they're going for Cantwell, aren't they? That's Which it. is really strange because they've got Morgan Rogers. I don't know why they've, what, what they've done with him because he's not a bad player either. So It seems to be hoarding for us, don't they? I mean, it, looks like, it looks like Rogers might go back to City because he was linked with us as well. It looks yeah. like they still, they still, there's a possibility they might still sign Lawrence from Derby. They want Cantwell on loan from Norwich. Um, they want Kiefer Moore from uh, Cardiff. No, it looks like they've got a lot of fingers and a lot of pies at the minute, Bournemouth. But obviously, we can't control that. We can control what we do. Yeah, so I, I I expect maybe one signing at least. And if we can get another left back, if we get this Longello, then then great. I don't know anything about him, so I can't really comment on on if I'm excited or not because I've never heard of the bloke. <laughs> but I just hope that we just don't get players in for the sake of it because I would rather us have a small, tight squad and we, we if, if we means we bleed in a few more youngsters onto the bench, then so be it because we've had that many years of bomb squads of players just picking up unnecessary wages and it's killed us. I'd rather us get a youngster in and see what they can do than, than someone like what we had, like a Kyle Jenkinson, for example, yeah. or Harry Arter or whatever because... At least you know that they're going to give their all sort of thing, and there's a chance that someone is a gem. Um, so I'd rather it be that. I'd rather get uh, quality over quantity for sure. So if we don't get anyone, fine. If we do, and they, and they, they fit our squad and they improve us, then great. I think you make a good point there actually, because I mean, um, especially the youngsters. I mean, Ollie Hammond was on the bench today against the Cardiff game, and I, I think it's important that even with our aspirations and even with the you know the financial muscle that we might may or may not have, depending on financial fair play that youngsters in our academy do see a pathway because that way like, I mean for example we might have to put Dale Taylor on the bench he's already played for Northern Ireland before he's played for Forest he might not be ready to play for Forest but he still might see a pathway there you know think oh, I might get on the bench you know soak it all in be part of the setup and then you know it always, you can only stand them in good stead so um you'll certainly be interested to see what happens uh we'll go the other way though so uh you mentioned there uh Carl Jenkinson well, Carl Jenkinson obviously departed for Melbourne, it seemed, I think it was Melbourne. And Harry Arthur looks like he could be on his way out. So in terms of outgoings, Reese, it looks like we've actually done a pretty good job of sort of getting rid of Deadwood, really. Um, oh, to get Jenkinson, you know, whatever wages Mel- Melbourne, is it Melbourne City have signed them? I think it's Melbourne, yeah. The Man City, yeah. Like, They're in affiliate yeah, Man City. Yeah, Mel- Man City, yeah, yeah, Melbourne City then, because it's Melbourne victory as well. To get him off the... Um, Goal scoring right back nowadays to, yes. get, um, <laughs> to get him off the wage bill in any capacity. If someone's covering 10% of his wages, is good till the end of the season. Um, you know, we've loaned Taylor out now, and it's typical that Grabber looks like he's going to be injured. Um, otherwise, I think he would have probably stayed same now with Fig- Figueredo. I think he would have probably might have been loaned out tomorrow now. Cook's injured. You'd probably expect him to drop in in the middle centre back and and base be right centre back. Um, I'm not going to discuss Carvalho. We've yeah. said all we need to say about him. That's times for the best, really. You know, the only you know, like you just said, Christian Ariata. 
You know, if you can get rid of them, brilliant. Amazing. They're probably the only country that can afford his wages. (laughs) So, um, you know, the other one really you look at is Bong, is it? Because I'm not being funny, but he's been on the bench pretty much every game against Cooper and Cooper would rather play a centre midfielder at left-back ahead of him when he's an actual left-back. So that tells you everything you need to know about him. Um, I do think it'll be a busier day than Forrest probably wanted. Um, just because of you know Graben's injury didn't look good. If he's limping off like that, you know with two blokes holding him up, yeah, it was same same for that was the same for Yozviak for a derby earlier. That doesn't look a good sign to me. If Cook's out for a month as well, it wouldn't surprise me if we might put a cheeky bid in for, again for Tom Holmes. You know, well, might about Eli. Oh, where is he? He's training, isn't he? But, uh, he's he training, good vibes. But he might finally get a game. He's training the roads of the UK. But, he's finished sightseeing. Yeah, <laughs> and, and the attractions of Nottingham. But yeah, he's another one who could come into the fold. You've obviously got Drago will be coming back. I'm yeah, guessing he won't. I don't, I don't think he'd be moved on, would he? For the fact that he's coming back from the AFCON probably today. Um, so that would give you cover for Spence. You probably look at your cover for low being callback, really. Um, you know, and hopefully now and so can get fit. We need another winger. We know that. You know, Xander Silver might probably be your cover for. You know, if Graven's out for a while, might be Davis playing every week, and Xander Silver might be your striker cover. So it w- it wouldn't surprise me if we're in for a few players tomorrow and we bring. At least one. I'd expect. I'd be very surprised if we brought no one in, and I'd be a little bit worried if we brought no one in, especially with these injuries. Yeah, but you'd look maybe one or two, three tops. Um, but the problem is for Forest. You know, we've used as five loans. I know you can have as many loans as you want, can't you? But you can have five in a match day squad. Exactly. Yeah. Which is a problem. I'm um, struggling with on FM with Ilkeston so <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kind of hoping we move away from we start moving away from loan signings a bit like yeah. what Brentford done I know I know I I know people hate mentioning them because they're just XG horrible horribleness and the manager's a bit of a knob but, but like after, they've not they've yeah. not loaned players in I don't think they loaned a player in since they were in the championship and it's a good way of doing stuff because you're just only looking to improve the team. If we bring Josh Bowler in, it's a million. It might be a couple of million quid. He's 22. It's a bargain. Time to develop. Looks a dangerous player. Scored against Fulham the other day. Mm. He'd be a great sign, and then he knows he'd get opportunity. It's it's a step up for him. Really, like no offense to Blackpool. Um, that is offensive, obviously, because it's you know, every, you time you say, every time you say that phrase, <laughs> every time you say that phrase, it's always followed by an, uh, an offensive thing. Teams but like yeah, Blackpool, just, whatever. I just think it's a a good opportunity for him to come to a, cha- a promotion sort of a playoff chase inside, really. And him and Johnson on either side of the wings would cause a lot of havoc. Um, I think I'd, I wouldn't be sh- I wouldn't be shocked if we try and really push it now to get him because we need him a bit more. But I did like what I saw from Xander Silva today. I thought he looks. Ten times better than Zinkenagel did. Um, yeah, so. the tendency to get into positions, isn't he? A really good scoring positions. He still scored four goals for us by now. 
And I he think, should have scored definitely twice like, on the Tuesday The open goal night. miss against Barnsley. There's one on one today. There was at least there was, it, he hit the post against Barrow and the post against Huddersfield. He could have scored either of those as well. He hit the post but, against yeah. Barnsley as well. <laughs> yeah, but that's the hardest. That's the hardest thing is that you're uh, getting people into that position. Like if you're in that position, you've got a chance. So there must there's obviously something there to work with, which is so frustrating when it's like so profligate. Yeah, um, that'd be the issue for me. You know, the one today, it's a, it's a great move, but. <laughs> You gotta be hitting the target there. Leaf, you know, you can't, leaf. you can't it's stick a, it. It's got to be a confidence thing with him because mm. he's not really, never really got in the West Ham side. It's his yeah. first, first club now permanently, like where he's not been on loan. I, maybe it's a thing of if he gets one, does he then start banging him in because he's like, yeah, you, you could kind of make the argument, argument it was similar for Davis. Thought he took his goal really well and now he scored again today. With Silver, it might be just a case of, oh, you could do one just coming off his backside or something. But it's the same. I'm going to, you know, I did, was a bit um, harsh towards him on Twitter, Silver, because of that chance. But, you know, what I would agree on with someone being an advocate for giving Carvalho a run, he probably just needs a run in the side, you know, for half a dozen games, play it starting. Because at the minute, to be honest, Zinconagle, not really from the start. I think you look at the Millwall and the Derby games where he come on, and I thought he was a lot better in them two games. And like today, for example, I see he's becoming a bit more of a tiny bit of an impact sub at the minute, and that's probably why Forrest might see you know that the winger is a top priority. I think to be honest, I see what I see. What I think Adam, you have a good point about us wanting to get um, move away from loan signings. I think the reason why we want Wallace is because we're not going to sign Zinkenegel. He's exactly the same mm. place across the front three. Wallace can play as a 10 on either side of the winger. He can cross the ball probably just as well as if not better than Zinkenagel. And as he's shown over his last X, X years with Millwall, he's clearly like, experienced in the division. He's not going to go missing that frequently. So that's the way I see it. I don't think we'll keep Zinkenagel on this season. And to be honest, I won't be that upset if we don't, from what we said, like, they being a perfect example. So... But, I mean, one thing you did mention, which is right, was obviously we have got a lot of injuries, but we also means we have a lot of people coming back. We've got Myson back in training. Lolly's not far behind him. Ajayla's going to be back from international duty, as is Larea, as is Draeger. So that's immediately five people back on the bench. The bench immediately looks a lot healthier. So, and Beso as well. Yeah, so and Beso too. Yeah. And, of course, you know, Sightseer, Eli. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> the you man know, who's keeping Nottingham's tourism 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 is booming because of him now yeah. um, but so you know I think like, you both have a point we can't just make signings for the sake of making signings like we have done before it has to be thought out it has to be something that actually benefits and improves the squad I think Bowler Woods I think Bowler would be a really good signing and I think Wallace I, I, yeah I mean I wouldn't send Zinkangle back or go as far as doing that but I think if we got Wallace in it would just confirm to me that we're not going to sign him because we wouldn't I think before Wallace's injuries got like either six or seven goals and five or six assists. Like his, yeah. his record speaks for itself. He's, he's really. good at this level. I know Zinkanagel yeah. had a good start to his career at Forest. He got quite a few assists. He's got quite a few assists recently, but I think I do agree with Reese. He has become a bit more of an impact kind of player. Um, could could Larrier play as a winger? Because he does look... It looks good on those mon- montages, you know, those YouTube montages. That <laughs> you, makes everyone look amazing. Because of the Canadian you, Rocky. Yeah, you don't um, really want, as Billy used to say today, square pegs in round holes. But hey, you used to play Greg Elford up front, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No choice. Um, that's how many times go, choice. 
going back to what you said earlier, Adam, about Brentford not having players on loan, you know, we've done similar to Brentford in terms of we've sold a player. It's just that they've invested their money really well and we never have. We've sold, you know, we've yeah. sold cash and, you know, Dross, you know, with, with respect as much as I like Carvalho, we spent 30 million on him record signing and then we never had a plan for him. Mm. You know, it, it's just poor business sense from the, the hierarchy, what was running the club on a day-to-day basis before, you know, and that's why Brentford have progressed like they have because they reinvest and that's what Forrest, you know, if they do stay in this league, if Forrest sold a Johnson or a Warrell in the summer or whoever else for a big fee, they've got to reinvest that money properly, bank a little bit for FFP and reinvest properly and build your squad and that is how you do it and that, in the end, is how you'll get out of the league. Absolutely, yeah. And I, yeah. I think this is where Dave Murphy and the recruitment team are now looking, though, because you look at who we're going for. Holmes yeah. is out of contract. Lawrence out of contract. <laughs> Bowler is going to cost us maybe one or two million. Jed Wallace out of contract. Do you know what I mean? It's they're, they're clever kind of you, you targets. Just, it's just, know, just about, rather than it's bad just, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, I think I think I'd rather us get rejected for a low bid than put in too much and that yeah. get accepted. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Right. Imagine if we said to Mill, all right, we'll give you four million for Jed Wallace when yeah, his contract's running out. It's not worth yeah. it. I'd rather us wait. Yeah. I'd rather us take the gamble on Johnson and, and selling him for fifteen million in the summer, but we get Jed Wallace for three in the summer if that happened. The yeah. thing is like, you know, you've got so many teams in this league who've got their advantage of parachute payments. So you're working at a disadvantage. So you know, like Brentford's model is to kind of what we're looking like we're doing is to kind of flip that on his head, on its head, and we've got to try and regain that advantage. Mm. You know, and uh, yeah, like you said, Adam, you know, it does seem like we're going down that route, which is good, very good. Bowler would be a cracking signing, especially for yeah. a couple. Of, you know, what's a couple of million nowadays? It'd be a snip, wouldn't it? I think just the fact that the way he carries the ball, like I think, like we saw that, as that apart from Johnson, I think Johnson in terms of dribbling yeah. is the best stats in the league, bowler second. And then it was, like, I think Lewis sides. Potter won it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. he got those either it's either crucial to play. You know, like, yeah. you know, that way you don't look like I'm one dimensional. I mean, I felt today mm. one of the things Cardiff found the way to force Spence backwards every time. We've got two wingers mm. in Johnson and um, Bowler who can just carry the ball distance and do it well. Mm. It opens up a whole, you know, opportunity but um, we'll certainly see it's going to be a busy day for sure um, Lee in terms of January signings or business if we could I mean obviously we spoke about this now if we could who would you like to see come in for example would you like to see us make an influx of players would you like to see just be one or two like and yeah who what would you like to see us do on before the window shuts at 11 o'clock tomorrow um, I think it's, it's a I'm a bit in the Steve Cooper camp in the sense that if good players are available, it doesn't really matter who else you've signed um, mm. because you always want your squad to be improved. Um, I think a lot's made that if you're very active on deadline day, you've got a bit desperate. But I'm not always I'm not always convinced at our level that's the case because we're just outside the playoffs. So that probably, you know, I know it's difficult with us because the first seven games didn't help us. But without those, even if we'd taken four points from those first seven games instead of one, we'd be in the playoffs now. Yeah. Um, but I think when you, I mean, you look at Bournemouth, they're going to sign four players and they're a lot nicely poised than us. Um, would you say they're desperate to bolster this squad? Probably not. They've just recognised that good players are available and, and why not? Um, you, you're essentially gambling on 
millions and millions of pounds of each in the Premier League. So if if the manager or the owners think that we can be, be bolstered, then fair enough. Um, in terms of what I think I'd like, I'd have said not much because I think we, we did good business quite early. Um, but obviously with Cooper, sorry, Cooper, Cook and Graben going off, we're, we're in a bit of a situation. I mean, it looks like Cook might be okay. Um, but Graben's a big worry. I think if, mm. if, this, if a striker becomes available... Um, I don't know. I thought of one name off the top of my head. Maybe someone like Dwight Gale. Um, <laughs> if he should come available, um, you'd have to look at it now with, with your 30, 30 something striker being out injured and you can get someone as proven as that in on a short term deal, a loan or something like that. Then, given that it's, you know, we, we're ticking towards the 11th hour, then you'd probably look to do it. I mean, if you're asking me who I would really love to see signs with Jed Wallace, I think he would be the, the signing that could. You know, kind of help cement us, not in not necessarily in the playoffs, but at least be challenging for the next three months in the top eight, um, and being with a shout going into the, the last month of the season uh, for a playoff place. Um, I just think he fits everything that Steve Cooper loves in his players. He works hard. He can play in probably four different forward positions. Um, he's got a, a beauty of a delivery on him. Um, mm. We might actually start scoring some goals from a corner, from corners and stuff if we, we sign someone like him. Um, but whether that can be, I mean, Millwall's in a difficult situation really um, during deadline day because they're saying they want nine million for him. They're never going to get that. But then, if they don't sell him on deadline day, they're going to lose probably their best player for the over the last five or six years nothing. for absolutely nothing. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if we will test their resolve again. Um, yeah, he'd be the one for me. I think um, elsewhere, I think a couple of young players might go out on loan. I think we've got to be careful with who we let go now because the bench looked really lightweight against Cardiff, I thought, yeah, particularly was... going forward. Um, I mean, Figueredo could potentially go out, but the fact that Mbeso has not been on the bench yet maybe suggests to me he's not quite ready. I mean, if if Cooper really doesn't fancy Figueredo, then why is he still on the bench sort of thing? Um, it, it can only say to me that Mbe so still still not quite ready. So I think we've got to be careful with, especially with Cook breaking down, um, we've got to be careful with letting any more defenders go out. Um, so yeah, I'd be quite happy to see no one leave, to be honest. Maybe a couple of youngsters can get loans. Yeah. Um, but even then, I think it's difficult because if we don't get the players we want, um, the youngsters like Canate and Hammond and, um, and such might be needed for our squad. So... I'd expect that if we do get one or two over the line, then it'd be like a domino effect. Maybe a couple have already been lined up to go maybe to some local clubs on loan. Um, Lincoln, we've sent a few in the past, haven't we? Burton, yeah, Mansfield, Notts yeah. County, that sort of stuff. So, I mean, of course, as well, the likes of Notts County can still sign players on loan when the window closes. Yes. So maybe that's something to look at. There's a relationship there. Obviously, Richardson's there, isn't he? So, hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's difficult. I mean... I wouldn't be averse to being busy, but at the same time, I wouldn't really be overly fussed if we didn't do it. I don't think it'll be like the summer where everyone was, it was getting to like 10 to 11 and everyone was like, oh, we've done it again. We've fucked it up, sacked the board. Because um, Jun's not happy, he'll walk and, and, and this, that and the other. So fingers crossed for just, uh, I just hope that the squad um, looks better than it did on January the 1st. But I think with, with Davis and Cook in there, it already does to me anyway. So yeah. we've just got to sort the grabbing situation out. No, that's fair enough. Absolutely. Um, moving on to something more fun. 
uh, our question for you this week was in the emergence of a certain 80s hit at Forest, uh, which made it, I think, it, I think we heard it after the, after the Arsenal game, but never really took off like it did against Derby. Um, of course, obviously, you just can't get enough by Depeche Mode blaring rounds. What's your favourite song that you relate to Forest and also football? So it could be one that teams come out to, celebrating a win, you know, have on a pre-match playlist, or just remind you of Forest and football in general. So read out for yours first. So Jeffro's gone for the classic, Bald Slippy by uh, Underworld, of course. Uh, you know, David Jones has gone for Please Don't Go by KWS, dedicated to Des Walker, but still at Sampdoria. Disaster. Uh, Emma's gone The Source, You've Got The Love, Best Intro Music Ever. Very good one. I think also... Um, of the key, I've got the secret. It's good. Goals montage by McCombs that very shortly. Uh, Fleet said Insomnia by Faithless. Uh, Liam Hill, you see Beautiful Day. 15 year old me getting a bowl of Frosties ready to watch the championship on ITV on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Even just for a 30 second highlight package of a nil nil away at Swindon League One for Forest. Owen Summers has also gone for uh, Born Slippy Run the Worlds as well as uh, Piano by Eric Prince. And let's see what else we got. We've got Zach says Beautiful Day as well. Uh, Tom Walton, of course, the Forest song with the whole world in our hands. Uh, Alex has gone for Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses. I imagine walking out that never gets the adrenaline going. But it always gets the adrenaline going, not never. And uh, yeah, thank you, for, as always, for your uh, submissions. So we'll start with you, Adam. What songs remind you of... First of all, what songs remind you of Forest? And another song that reminds you of football. So give you two bites of cherry. Um, I'm going to go for a classic, Chelsea Dagger. <laughs> I'm joking. Goal I do like that music. One. I do like that. Um, no, I think I think all all that's been said. Like Born Slippy is definitely one that always gets yeah you know, gives you gets the hairs standing up on your neck and gives you goosebumps for definite. I think doing that is that that uh, that first like note that's like kind of like reverbed into. I don't know what I can't tell you what instrument it is. I don't know if it's like piano or what, but or keyboard or whatever. But it's just like kind of like harrowing almost. It's just. Yeah, sets the tone up quite nicely, doesn't it, for match days when that kind of comes on. Um, I don't know, like, it's, and then, like, for football, there's, there's there's a few. I mentioned one in the chat, which is, like, Carnival de Paris, because it's the first, like, World Cup I can really remember, France 98, um, which is a all-time classic. Um, and then I like Mashkinada, which is Sergio Mendes, Brazil 66. Do you know, like... I don't know what it is, but there are just certain songs that make you like want want you to think that you can do something that Ronaldinho could do, but just <laughs> kind of fall over. But yeah, like, and then obviously FIFA's got an array of array of tunes array in it. Like is, yeah. song 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 two by Blur is is an all time classic from FIFA that year, yeah, isn't it? So it's got to be there's some, there's some good well song too. Like yeah, it's yeah. it's a good one because it's because you can't shout woohoo. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's very, very true. Um, Reese, what about you? I know you thought long and hard about this, so <laughs> I could give you an I could give you an absolute array of songs. Live, um, a red solar place playlist after this. <laughs> yeah, I mean Forest. Um, you know, yeah, probably Born Slippers or one like Adam said into it. It's just synonymous with Forest. Um. I'm a massive fan of Pajano by Eric Perez. I'm a big fan of Eric Perez. Um, and I'm I've always been disappointed to not use that for a few years. Um, and I think it would actually be a good idea if the club did ever actually get some more fan engagement that it should run a bit of a competition so a fan could pick the pre-match playlist. 
um, before a game, which I think would be a pretty geeky but cool yeah. idea. Um, as long as you know the songs aren't too volatile. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, like I put one on my Twitter and uh, clocks by Coldplay was an early, very early playlist one from Forest. Um, but you know we, we know all the classics from Forest. I don't need to go over them again. Um, in terms of football, the first ever song um, what I kind of heard from football which sticks in my mind is Fool's Gold by Stone Roses because it was the intro for the Coca-Cola Cup <laughs> back in the day um, in the late 90s and that always stuck in my head and it's probably one of the reasons why I like the Stone Roses so much now so um, I'd go with that but you know there is there is so many and as my guilty pleasure as much as I absolutely detest the football club, but there's no better walking out anthem than you'll never walk alone. I hate to say that. Um, I do try. I'm a new pod person. Yeah, I do try and feel sick. Um, say it with Celtic instead, but I know a lot of people don't like them. So at least Borussia Dortmund can't. Yeah, do say it. Dortmund. That's um, all right. Yeah, but you know, you, I've seen like a few videos when. Back in the day when Celtic like played Barcelona at Parkhead and they played that, and it, it's honestly to, to be like in attendance at, in that crowd must have been a bit of a privilege because it um, um, absolutely a real atmosphere. Mm. But I'll leave it to that. Otherwise, I could talk for a whole podcast <laughs> about mu- music and football. <laughs> no, it's fair point. It's, 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 it's a very um, open question. To be fair, so Lee, yeah, again, so a song that reminds you of Forest and a song that reminds you of football in general. So the, the Forest one I liked, we only had it for one season. I'm pretty sure we played it just before kickoff. Um, it was a Vici levels. Um, oh, of course, yeah, yeah. I think we played. Yeah, it was. It was usually in the package that's like the build up to kickoff, like before Born Slippy. I just think it's such a, a good song. Um, I always say it'd be my walk on um, song if I was ever a professional dart player as well. <laughs> um, we'll go with dart player instead of boxer. I think the dart player is more likely. Um, <laughs> So yeah, that that's just it's just one of my favourite songs uh, in general. So when Forrest used it, it was even better. Um, another one that I've quite liked, uh, I think Mansfield still come out to. Well, they don't come out to it, but it's like the song before to get the fans all ready. Uh, it's Fat Boy Slim right here, right now. Yeah, that's another one that I just think if if you're doing anything in life that you need psyching up for, that is a, a really good tune to listen to. I think um, just focuses the mind a bit. Um, but yeah, there's loads of others. I mean, I quite like the one that they play at the darts. Actually, the ch- chase the someone. Uh, that's another good one. Don't hear it at football that much. Um, my room one hundred one one would be Sweet Caroline. I don't get it. I don't get the fascination. <laughs> it's overused now. I I, playing it, we can't remember. We played the other week. It was a home game. It might have been the Huddersfield game. We're playing it at half time. We were losing one nil. Yeah, I said before this, but it's we like can't what? play that half time. It's like, no. Fair enough. If if you're going to use it at sporting events, it's got to be when you do something amazing, like when England won the World Cup at cricket or something. But yeah, yeah it's it's vastly overplayed now, and it does matter. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they're they're the two I think of each levels and uh, Fat Boy Slim. Oh, decent, yeah. I think um, I think for me, it's always been like, Board Slippy's always been the one for me. I, um, in fact, actually, I've got the story about that is, um, do you remember when we beat Derby 2-1 Osborne scored in the last minute? Yes. Yeah. So I was, I was one of the unlucky ones watching on TV. And anyway, at half-time, 
obviously a one 0 down, Lansbury scored no goal. There was an advert on Sky, and it, well, I don't know who, what it was, but all I know is it had Thierry Henry in it and it had Bourne Slippy. And as soon as I heard oh, that, that's... I was like, "We're gonna, we're gonna fucking win this." Like, it sounds it. like uh, a perfect combo. That perfect. I know, what, what <laughs> over. Sure enough, we won two one. So I think Bourne Slippy is like the um, ultimate Forest song. I think it's like you know you can you can feel it as well, like. Like, like Adam said, when that first sort of no hits, and you can sort of hear like the collective sort of yes go up. It's like it's a big, big thing at Forest. Like I don't think anything's going to go away from that. Um, in regards to football, I mean, there's there's loads of the beautiful day. I think it's a big one because it's been used on so many things. Like um, I just thought of one like annoying ones, like it was it sticking your head, like um, Samba de Janeiro, the gold music at Norwich. Like yeah. every time you hear that, know, like, you see it on TV, it's like, oh, them again. Um, <laughs> uh, Premier League years I think it's got a lot to be held accountable for like obviously it's quite funny like you can sort of tell when something's going to happen as well like if someone in the relegation zone is going to win a game you get Iron Resurrection by the Stone Roses if someone's moving up into <laughs> Europe you get Move Going Up or Keep On Moving uh, by Primal Scream and Five respectively if someone's about to get sacked it's Mad World by Tears of Fears like, and things, like <laughs> things like that sort of sticking your heads um, I think Inner Smile by Texas I think it's a very big football one League Cup always synonymous of that uh yeah i mean like you said it's a, it's a very long long book you can go for really um an, uh, an underrated one that i forgot to say is uh, a little less conversation the jlx yes. yeah, the the JLX, uh, yeah remix because yeah. that, that night advert was, un, was one yeah, of the best adverts when it can and i just dropping that scorpion yeah. ball i bought a scorpion ball just because <laughs> of that and it's just like <laughs> But it's like, but when it was like three on three, and like some of them players in that advert were just yeah. like mesmerising, weren't they? Literally, probably yeah. the peak of football. Now it's just they're full of robots and knobheads. Yeah. Oh, don't forget it was a, alive and kicking. It, yeah, it was, a, it was a good oh, yeah. one. What um, what um, um, said the um, you've got a love, which was like for, obviously with us in the championship yes. when Sky used to actually put some detail into their intros and. They've gradually gone downhill over the years. Yeah, um, like when they had written, when they had like written in the stars and that for the prem, and yeah, they're a bit disappointing now in the intros. But mm. you know that, that's another geeky comment. So. <laughs> <laughs> I do, um, I do, we, I do love my football intros. Before we end up doing a whole pod dedicated to music, <laughs> for example, um, we're going to move on to the final part now. So we've got our previews for the next three games. Also, our next pod will be in two weeks. So we've got. FA Cup action, Leicester City at home, followed by Blackburn away and then Stoke at home. So two very difficult league games in all in space for a short period of time as well. So, Adam, we'll start with you. Um, Leicester in the Cup, what are we saying? We're going to be a bit short on numbers by the sounds of it, obviously. Cook, grabbing, injured. Um, I think we'll put up a fight and I think we'll, we'll try our best in it, but I think we might fall a little bit short. I think we might lose 2-1 to Leicester. I think they'll bring a strong side. I think it'll be a feisty game to be fair. I think we'll we'll put up a good we'll put up a good account of ourselves, no no doubt about it, because Cooper won't allow that. But I just think they they might show a lot more quality than Arsenal, unfortunately. Um to, to and I think they'll nick it 2-1. Um so yeah there's that one. Um Brereton the Tuesday night is it Wednesday night sorry because we play Sunday don't we yes yeah it's such a tough game man I mean Brereton obviously is in red hot form this season scored for Chile obviously the other day which was a cracking header yeah Yeah, they've done really well to keep hold of him and they're flying under Tony Mowbray they've they've done really well got 
half decent squad without really any like you wouldn't say like any players that are looking to get poached other than Brereton. I mean, we've got obviously uh, Johnson in that. Uh, I'll take I'll take a draw at Blackburn because it's such a tough place to go to Ewood Park. I don't think we do that particularly that well at Ewood Park very often. So I take a point now, snap that off your hands now. But if we can nick it, brilliant. But happy days, yeah. Yeah, but it's it's if we can get a point and get get recovered from from obviously today's loss, then then brilliant. And then. Stoke at home again. It's we need to turn our keep keep this home form going. Really keep keep the wins coming in. Um, I would expect us to beat Stoke, but again another tough game because they're they're in a similar sort of position to us. Mm-hmm. Got a lot of good young players. Michael O'Neill's done a good job there. I know they've been on a bit of a dip in in form, but they they're going to be a tough tough opposition for us. But I think we'll we'll get past them. Maybe maybe nick that nick that one nil. I was going to say. Yeah, right. So if you gave me four points at a sacrifice of less, I probably would take that, to be fair, for, next, yeah. for, most, for most three games. Uh, Reese, what about you? Um, I'm just having a quick look on my phone and a few bits. Um, I've got a friend who's a Leicester fan. He reckons Vardy won't be fit for us, which is um, a good boost. Um, Hinacho will be back because Nigel have gone out the AFCON. I'm just looking at that. So obviously it'll be him or Dakar up top. Mm. Um, like Adam said, they'll go strong because one of the holders for a start and two, it's us. Um, you know, Rogers is. You know, I do think a, a few people overrate Brandon Rogers a bit, thinking he's in them elite managers. I won't go that far. He's a, but he's a very good here below. Yeah, but he's a very good manager, and he won't he won't take us lightly, especially after I'm sure he would he would have seen the Arsenal game. Um. There's absolutely no chance I'm predicting them to beat us, though. Um, so I'll go. I'm going to go the same as Arsenal. I'm going to go one nil to us. We'll nick it one nil. Um, well, you know, it'll be a tough game. It will be a tough game. Um, if they turn up, you know, you know, you'd expect Leicester to beat us, but um. The Blackburn game again, like Adam said, took very tough. You know, Black, you know, you would have said Blackburn would have been going for the playoffs, never mind automatic promotion. So, you know, if, if we can go there and avoid defeat, I think that would be a, a good result. Um, and I, I do think we'll get a point there. Um, we won there, didn't we, last year on the Hewton? So, yes, it is, Lolly. Um, so yeah, 1 1, I'll go for that one. Um, I think we mentioned this early doors, didn't we? The pod that Brereton's yet to score past us, so he probably is at some point due a goal. Yeah. Um, the likelihood is if we're in the championship next season, he won't be playing against us next season. Yeah. Um, even with Blackburn or you know if Blackburn staying this league, he'll be moving on for sure. Um, and then the Stoke game, apart from the absolute disaster under um Sabri. Uh, can you guys remember how I went to get Stoke last season at home? Uh, I remember we drew one on air place. I mean, we drew it, but obviously yeah, like, when yeah, Cafu missed that yeah. one-on-one, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, um, but no, I don't quite remember how we did that. I blocked out most of last season. Yeah, saying that's crap. the problem. Well, you know, I remember under Cranker, we drew nil-nil at home and it was vastly cagey. Um, Jack Butler another really good game against yeah we drew one all at home in last season yeah um, Figueredo cleared Peter Crouch header off the line in that game as one of the last (laughs) minutes so um, 
yeah, I do think that'll be tight. Probably similar to the game at their place back in, was it August? But well, they deserve to win that day. Yeah. But I'm going to flip it on its head from that one and say we win 1-0 this time. Yeah. And and to be fair, I know Stoker sniffing in around the playoffs, but if we want to get in the playoffs, we've got to be beating the teams around us at home. So, yeah, if we can get four points for the next two um, in terms of the league, I think that would be a very good return, personally. Yeah, definitely. I would agree with that. So, Lee, again, three very tricky games coming up. Uh, what are your predictions for those three games? Uh, I think Leicester is a very tough game. I think Leicester will be a far bigger test than the Arsenal game, being totally honest. Um, they're holders. They're, Brendan Rodgers takes great pride in cup competition. So I do think it will be a defeat in that one. But I think after the, the Cardiff debacle, I think there will be a, a bit of a, a spirited performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we might score as well. I think when I've watched Leicester this season, they have looked... Pretty steady still, but I think they've got kind of chinks in their armour at the back. Um, a bit slow at the back, I think, aren't they? Even yeah, so I think, I think there is there is there is plenty to exploit there for me. So I'm going to go for a, a battling 2-1 defeat in that one. OK. Um, Blackburn's following, isn't it? Blackburn away. Yeah. Blackburn and mm, Stoke. Tough, tough game. I watched Blackburn against Middlesbrough uh, last week. I thought they were all right. I don't... If I'd not seen the league table before the game, I wouldn't have said it was third against seventh, um, mm. to be honest. But clearly they're doing something right. Obviously, we've got to watch uh, the Chilean prospect, Jerrison Diaz, <laughs> um, if he's available. So it'd be a tough game, but I think we might draw that one. Um, I do I do firmly believe that the Cardiff game was just a bump in the road. And I think away from home, especially if we start lining up with the three at the back again, we will hurt teams. So I'm going to go for a goal scoring 2-2 in that one. Okay. And then Stoke. Stoke at home. Yeah. Um again, tough game, but tough run, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm gonna back I have not back to throw a win yet, so I'm gonna have to throw a win in there. I think we'll beat Stoke. Again, watching a lot of championship football lately. I watched Stoke Friday, I think it was. Huddersfield. Mm. Huddersfield probably should have beaten, to be fair. Um they're, they're another funny team. They, they're not a bad side. They're quite well organised. But I don't. I see us having as you know better players uh, if we've got our strongest eleven to choose from. So I'll go for a a narrow one nil winning that one. I think clean sheet. Nice one. Um, I think it's for Leicester, and I predict it's going to be Arsenal. I'm not a bit unsure for this one. I think. Um, <laughs> Whereas against Arsenal, I felt that, you know, with playing their kids like Patino and Laconga, that we could potentially bully them. It'd be a bit difficult to bully people like Ndidi, Tillemans and um, Madison. But we'll see. You know, if we think if we play as well as we did against Arsenal, we've got a chance. I think we've got to bounce back. Leicester won't count with five behind the ball, uh, five at the back. Sorry, just sit everyone back like Cardiff did today. So they'll actually try and play football. Yeah, Forest Nick it 2 1. Why not? Um, Blackburn. I agree with you. I think it's going to be very difficult. I think it's going to be really, really fucking hard, actually. Um, they have been prone to the odd little slip recently, I've noticed. So I don't think... I mean, they lost a hole. You know, I don't think it draws beyond the rounds of possibility. I, I'd take a very boring nil-nil draw to be honest, grind out. You know, just sort of maybe contain a little bit more than we would normally. But I think, yeah, we'll draw away um, at Blackburn. And then Stoke, yeah, 1-0 Forest. Francis will win that game. Um, not sure who will score, but one nil Forest, and then we'll come back here and look forward to what we've got next, um, which will be a very difficult, difficult trip to Bournemouth. Um, as always, thank you all for listening, and yeah, have some 
very interesting. We have a lot of um, obviously next time we come on the pod, we'll have a lot for you and hopefully a little surprise for you as well. Uh, stay tuned for that. And yeah, uh, take care, stay safe, and we'll see you very soon. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.